And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you in our listening audience. Stan the Fan along with uh, Craig Heist. And we are your bat-around team for the next two hours. That does include also, is she on camera? No, she's not. Uh, Brittany Everett, uh, who is our erstwhile producer. Uh, Craig Heist and I will take it in the first segment. We'll then be joined by Jim Henneman, who writes baseball for PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com, and... Uh, is an official scorer for the Baltimore Orioles and works on various projects that the Orioles might have, uh, editorial projects. Then at 1045, the general manager of uh, the Aberdeen Ironbirds is going to join us, Matt Slatus. Uh, their team, uh, the Ironbirds, just got started play last Friday, and we'll see how the first week of the season has gone. And he'll also talk to us about the best season ticket plan ever, uh, which includes five sold-out games uh, and more. And also, we'll talk about some improvements they've made to the tune of $400,000 on um, concessions out at uh, Ripken Stadium out in Aberdeen. We'll then be joined by an old friend of Craig's and somebody, it's ironic how I've met Dave Sims, it's through my sister-in-law. I think they went to junior high or high school together in New York, uh, and they know each other. And then um, in the last segment of the show, uh, Ryan Zimmerman did a sit-down this week with Craig Heist. Yesterday, in fact. Yesterday. And I start with that. Um, obviously, we don't want to give away the entire interview. No. How interesting was it to sit down with Ryan, and how close is he to coming back? You know, he's very kind of a reserve type of guy. Doesn't say a whole lot. Kind of like you. Yeah, right. Uh, but he's a reserve type guy. But when you sit down and talk baseball with him, talk about different things in his life, he's very engaging, very thoughtful, very thoughtful in, in what he's telling you and things of that nature. I think a lot of that. What comes, the hell's he doing on our show? Then? I don't know though, but uh, I think a lot of that comes out in this interview. So we'll see uh, what Ryan has to say about a variety of issues. Number one. His oblique injury, right, and how long it's taken him to get back, but it looks like it's getting closer. Uh, Juan Soto, who's come up to the Nationals and has provided a major spark for them, he is some. Uh, seriously, it's not often I see a 19-year-old kid that looks like he's a 10-year veteran. Yeah, but uh, again, somebody asked me on your, uh, you know, bird watching after bird AJ, watching, right? AJ last night said, you know. Uh, what about Juan Soto for Rookie of the Year? And I said, well, you know, that's a nice thought, and but I'm I'm not ready to put that on him and be unfair to the kid after 100 at bats at the major right. league level. I mean, that's a pretty small sample size if you think about it. But by the All Star break, we might very well be saying you, you that could he's... be saying that, yeah. But I mean, considering uh, he dominated, just absolutely dominated at each level of the minor leagues right. when he getting up there. And but my here's a guy's in low A, right? And then he goes to Potomac, 
and uh, Harrisburg, and then he's brought up. So uh, how, how is he? I know he's not as old as Robles. How old is Robles? I know Robles is missing the rest of the season with that elbow. Well, elbow, elbow and shoulder. Shoulder broke. Basically elbow because but, but, he came in on the fly ball and tried to catch it, but he rolled the wrong way. But if they had needed an outfielder and he was healthy, oh, he would have been, been, the been the guy. Yeah, and how is he considered – Vis-a-vis Soto, is he as good a prospect? I think he's every bit as good a prospect. Yeah. Boy, that uh, is. And, and kudos. I mean, the at, Orioles had Joey kudos, Rickert to bring up. Kudos again to Mike Rizzo and his staff in terms of going out and finding you know, these guys. You yeah. know, putting that farm system together. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so that's that has sparked some talk that Bryce Harper hitting all of about 205, 204, something like that, despite the 19 home runs. That that may be the ammunition that ultimately uh, an outfield of Soto, Robles, and Taylor mm-hmm. might be the reason that the Nationals say, "Hey, we love you, Bryce, but we're not going into that that stratosphere." Well, and that's you know depends on what that stratosphere is, yeah. and everybody, and that's another part of Ryan Zimmerman's conversation with me is his thoughts on both. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, right. and what this upcoming offseason is going to bring, and what kind of dollar figure right. are we looking at? All right. I can't wait to hear that interview, and I think it's a great get by you. Um, so, we're going to cover the first few minutes of the show until we're joined by Jim Henneman at 10 20. By the Go way, ahead. you mentioned the Ironbirds. Yep. And, uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, the only thing that's gone wrong with the Ironbirds so far in the first week is Chris Tillman's rehab assignment. <laughs> How bad was it? Uh, it was not very good. Uh, in the first inning, uh, three hits, three walks, uh, gave up a couple of runs. Uh, had a just had really... a decent second inning, but you just you know somebody and, and again fans can overreact as right. we all know. But somebody on Facebook wrote. He says they got he got beat up by a bunch of high school kids. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody put on. It's funny. One of the storylines we're going to talk about now is Chris Davis. But I'm listening to uh, I'm listening to. I uh, went to get something to eat before the game, and I had on the Sirius XM Fantasy Channel. And one guy said, "I just read one of the funniest tweets. Unless you're from Baltimore, now batting eighth, batting now batting seventh, Chris Davis." Right. <laughs> well, you know, and Bucks moved him down there. He moved him down there before the end of the last uh, homestand yeah. uh, when he was playing before he was benched, uh, and and he was hitting seventh again last night. So uh, it's again, funny, but you, here here's a guy last night after the eight, I mean, days, eight, eight days, days off, yeah, comes eight back, off. comes back, and when Chris Tillman, I'm, I'm sorry, when Chris Davis is hitting the ball well, he's going to the opposite field. He's driving the ball in the gaps he's and powering yes, he's the ball powering to left the center. Ball, right. Yeah. And he left did center. that last night for the home run. Uh, he winds up with a sack fly in the game. Which had as much to do. Uh, I'm all for it. Uh, give him credit, but Santana misplayed that oh, ball. Oh, no, no question about yeah, it. Yeah. But again, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take. They're not going to bench him all year. Right. So you're going to have to put up with this. And, well, you know, you don't yeah. root against Chris Davis. There's no, there's no point it, for an Oriole fan for, to root. Yeah, no, exactly. You root for him right. to produce and help this ball club. Because they're a much different team. I when think, they have yeah, a Manny absolutely. Machado having the kind of year he's having, and if Chris Davis is having the kind of year he's capable of, from three, four years ago, you'd be saying, okay, now we're, you know, we're close to 500. All right, Brad Brock last night. Awful. He winds up 
getting the second out in that inning. The game is still tied. Right. And the first pitch, I guess it is, goes right to, down the to gut. Culberson, to right? Culberson, right? Terrible he, pitch. He, he hits a ball right up the middle, scores two runs. Braves take a 3-1 lead. The Orioles come back in the top of the ninth inning and score six times yep. to make it a 7-3 game. And then all of a sudden, Zach Britton... I have, I have a theory on what happened there last night. Okay. I think both Zach Britton and his manager expected to just go one, two, three. In other words, I think what happened from the time the Orioles went ahead in the game, that's probably where Britton is peaking mentally, you know, mentally and preparing to come in to get a save. Then when we opened up a four run lead, I think his mind adjusted. I don't think he and, got and lazy. And the pressure's off. The pressure's off. Right. And I think the manager really wasn't thinking correctly. I, you know, I don't know when, but I don't know also when it became that Darren O'Day can never pitch back-to-back days. So, in other words, the question I have is, wouldn't it have made sense O'Day came into the game? Yeah. Wouldn't it have made sense to sort of say – you know, we got a four-run lead. Zach hasn't been in this situation in a, while. in a long time. Right. Just get get loose out there. Well, but the other part of that, though, is other than the first uh, outing that he had when he came off the right. DL, which included, right. which included three walks. He didn't score any runs, right. but which included three walks, and he had to get a double play and a line out, I believe, to get out of that inning. Uh, he's been pretty darn good yeah. in terms of the sinker, in terms of getting swing and misses. And uh, weak, weak ground ball contact. And last night it was not night, weak contact. No, though. it was not weak yeah. contact. And the hit-by-pitch factored in, but he just really was not good last Okay, night. so the, the Braves come back and they tie the game at seven and they send it in extra. And, and we also remember that inning. We also threw out a runner at the plate. That's right. Yeah. And that obviously helped get the game to extra innings. Yep. yep. Uh, but they go to the 15th. The Orioles with a man on second base. And... For whatever reason, Brian Snitker decides he's going to pitch to Manny Machado instead of walking him. If now, Gentry had been hit by pitch, hit by pitch, and right. then Wins sacrificed him to second. Right, and then so you got first you, base you got open, first base open, second base one out. Right, and uh, Moylan comes in, or he's in the game already, yep, but Moylan winds up throwing two fastballs. One that Manny takes, which I don't think he was expecting a fastball. Out on the first pitch from Moylan. The second one is a fastball, which Manny th- swings right through. So I'm thinking if you're Manny, you're probably saying, well, this is probably going to be something off speed to get me to chase. It was off speed, but he but hung it right there, in the middle yeah. of the plate, and yeah. Manny crushed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was but, a, but the whole, the whole idea takes me back to Snitker, who I really like as a manager. Mm-hmm. The, the, the times that I've gotten to be around him as, as the Braves come to Washington all the time, I mean, great guy, and and I was. Uh, Who's catching at that point for uh, the Braves? You know, Flowers or Suzuki? Might have been, might have been Suzuki because okay. he pinch hit in that game, so he probably was the catcher. Okay, but uh, a, a good friend of mine who's one of the beat guys down there in Atlanta, we were talking in the off season, but before it was going to be determined, Snitker was coming back, and I said. Boy, I hope they bring him back because he's done so much to the culture there, right? And and getting him, and you know he's been he's been in that organization more than forty years. I didn't realize it had been forty years. I heard Palmer talking about it last year. Forty years. And, I thought he was like, like a twenty plus no, year and, guy. And like nineteen of that 
was at the so sing, how old single is, A level. So how old is he? He's in his he's in his upper fifties, I believe. So he started. Oh, you mean so he started as a player when he was about seventeen or eighteen? Yeah. Not that he was a manager, right? Or but coach. I mean, he spent he spent a co as a co, as a manager right. like eighteen, nineteen years as a single yeah. A manager. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah. It kind of reminds me what he did to the Braves, sort of what Buck Showalter did when he became manager of the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Kind of a young guy at that time. Uh, and Stump Merrill, who also helped turn the – people forget Stump Merrill. Stump Merrill was the guy that led to Buck Showalter, but he kind of led that team kind of out of the wilderness, changed the culture a little bit, and then they said, okay, you did a good job. Here's your reward. We're bringing in Buck Showalter. But going back to Snitker for a second – I I I lay that loss on him last night. Number one, pitching to Manny, but number two, Orioles were completely out of position players, and and really I think pitchers to that point because Buck said after the game he wasn't going to use Michael Givens last night. Right. So whatever that meant, if we'd have gone longer than fifteen innings, but nonetheless, uh, Snicker had another guy or two, I think two in the bullpen still. So you, you kind of wonder what the thought process was to pitch to Manny there. Uh, one, one interesting factor, uh, that the Orioles have facing them, Craig is, and look, I'm anytime the Orioles can develop a young pitcher on their own, a starting pitcher. Um, yes, I'm all in. And I liked what I saw at David Hess early on. Uh, I gave him a mulligan against the Red Sox. Then I gave him another mulligan against the Red Sox because of how good a hitting team they are. By the way, they were down last night for nothing. And 10-5 in that game, and they end up winning 14-10 to against the Mariners. But I give him, uh, I gave him those mulligans, but now I've seen the body of his work through about 37 innings. He's given up nine home runs. Mm-hmm. I'm really beginning to think one of the things I'd like to see in the second half of the year is flip-flopping him and Castro. I think I'm ready to see Castro attempt to be a starting pitcher. Not thinking he's going to go seven or eight innings, but maybe have him go four or five and then bring Hess in. Kind of piggyback the two of them together. I'd like to start to see how Castro handles starting. And conversely, see if David Hess can be the kind of middle middle inning long guy that that Castro was. Right, getting you to the back end of the bullpen. And maybe doesn't give up the home runs because he's in shorter appearances so he can go a little more all out when you're trying to pitch two and two-thirds, three and a third, rather than trying to go five, six innings. Right, well, if if you're a guy like... Castro was brilliant last night. He really was, but, you know, the thing with Hess is when you... When you have the repertoire that he does, and he doesn't throw hard, right? You have to you have to depend on location, and I, I guarantee you, with the home runs, that's pretty much what that is at right. this point is location, right? Something, and, and, and I'll bet that the home runs are given. I don't know this for a fact, and I'm not real good at figuring out how to check something other than literally going over. I'll bet a lot of them are second time through the order. That, that yeah, each well, time we saw that pitches. in the last outing. We yeah. saw that in the last in outing. In Washington. Right, he was through the first inning, or, or the first, first three. four innings. Yep. First four innings, pretty much unscathed, and then that fifth inning rolled along, and that was the 9-7 game, I believe. Four runs in the fifth, four runs in the seventh. Right. Of course, Hess wasn't in the game in the seventh, uh, but that's what that came down to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like the kid, uh, and uh, it'll be. But I just think now what I saw with Castro last night 
was really pretty electric. Mm-hmm. I mean, he they didn't have a chance of hitting him. No, not last night. But again, uh, evidently, uh, this is a situation where I, I think you're right. Uh, I would like to see Castro uh, get his starting opportunity uh, with this club. And this is something I thought should have happened at the beginning of the season. I know they were out there trying to find a couple of free agent pitchers, and they did find Kashner, they did find Cobb. But, you know, you're, you're heading – coming out of last year, heading into this year, it's so much uncertainty with Chris Tillman. And this is a guy I think that should have gotten a shot to start at the beginning of the season. Castro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the season has <laughs> unfolded that way. You know, I'm always reticent – to automatically go with what seems to be the prevailing opinion because I always go back to, okay, yeah, I like that idea, but then who's going to do what he did last year? Mm-hmm. And I think the Orioles have struggled with that with Castro because he was so good at it. Uh, but I think now what I saw last night is saying to me, let's see if by the end of this year we can't get him into a, him into a guy – that can pitch five innings at the beginning of games. Right, exactly. And and what happens with that, it may start out as four or five innings, but then the confidence starts to build the more success that you have, and that leads to going six and maybe seven innings. I just don't know if there's the time of year whether he can be lengthened out at that point to go seven. Right. But, but I like the idea of getting toward that to say, hey, this is a guy we control for a couple more years. I don't know what Colorado was thinking letting this guy go. No. Maybe the air out there was fooling the general manager because uh, he, he looks to be a very valuable arm to have. I think so, too. And I think the Nationals have a guy in Jeffrey Rodriguez in the same kind of mold. Tall, lanky guy, uh, throws the ball hard. And, uh, you know, again, Did, kinda, didn't the guy that the Marlins kind of on, on the job training, if yeah. you will, at this level. But how about the guy that pitched about five innings? Was it Sunday afternoon for the Marlins or was it a Saturday game? The guy they had a guy, Gonzalez. Yeah. Who reminded me very much of Castro. Okay. Seems like they're, those guys are not to stereotype them because of race and nationality, but it seems like these Latin guys. <laughs> yeah, we're talking. Tall- we're talking strictly <laughs> pitching here, folks. <laughs> Um, they they seem to be tall, lanky, have electric stuff, and when they control it, it's uh, pretty tough to put into play. Yeah, it is, and and it throws hitters off because you're going from one style of pitcher to another style, and uh, especially in Hess's case, and yeah, that's even more to your point. You're you're going from Castro to Hess if if that scenario plays itself out. Gives the hitter a totally different look. Right. All right. Well, again, let's uh, recap what we're going to do on the show today. Jim Henneman's going to join us momentarily. Jim, a writer for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. He, he's been doing that longer, not just with PressBox, but uh, overall longer than Snitker has been with the Atlanta <laughs> Braves organization. And still always great insights. Matt Slate is going to join us at 1045. He's the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. And then Dave Sims. Play-by-play voice of the Seattle Mariners uh, is going to join us at 11.05 from his hotel up in Boston. All right, good enough. And uh, the Orioles uh, will play game two of their series tonight against the Braves. Or actually, it's this afternoon, 4-10. 4-10. Uh, Dylan Bundy uh, Dylan against, against Julio uh, Tehran. Yes, you're exactly right. And by the way, it's Fultonavich. I wanted to say that to you. Thank you. I have never heard that pronounced. Fultonavich? Yeah. No, okay. no, no. 
Fultonavich. Fultonavich. Yeah, I-C-H kind of on the edge. That's a Uh, new one on there. Right, and then the uh, Nationals today, again, against... uh, uh, the Phillies down at Nats Park, and uh, what time is that? That's uh, a four ten start as well. Wow, so, so you got to get on your horse. As soon as I get out of here, we'll be heading down to to the park. All right, introduce our guest. He's All on right. the phone with us, uh, and he's one of the best around. My friend Jim Henneman, official scorer with the Baltimore Orioles, and also uh, columnist here for Press Box and Press Box Online. Jimmy, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Pasty. How we doing today? <laughs> we're, we're doing I'm, okay. I'm, I'm awake, barely. Yeah, that's okay. Did, did you stay up with it all the way through, Jim? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That I'm, was sure one... you did, I'm sure you didn't do your post game thing on Facebook. Oh yes, I, he did. I actually did. And, <laughs> did and I got well, started. I was, I was absent for that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got an obligation to get a certain number of those in. And since I was up, I said, "The hell with it. I'm going to do it. That's right. So uh, that was one of the more interesting games of the season to me, Jim. You know, I was thinking about that at the end of the game. You know, it, there was a lot of things that happened in that game that were that were really, really good. I mean, other other than the late inning relief pitcher, which is kind of bizarre, but that, there was a lot of good plays. There was, uh, there was a lot about that game to like. There really was. Let me ask you a question, Jim. Uh, you've been around. I've been around a long time. You've been around longer. Have you ever seen a situation that was at all reminiscent of what the Orioles have gone through and done to work around and try and work them back in with Chris Davis? Is is, is that come no. to mind at all? I'm. I'm sorry. You're, you're, does does it think... come to mind at all? Do you remember any stories that are at remotely similar to, to what they're doing there? To this year? Yeah. No. No. I mean, in a lot of ways, this year is, has been uh, a whole lot more difficult to explain than 1988. I mean, uh, and in a lot of ways, it's worse than 1988, or at least it's, it's, it's borderline. And when you stop and think about 0 for 21, uh, it's kind of hard to imagine that you could even come close to that. No, this is this is really uh, this has been one of those years that uh, I, I I don't think. I mean, I, I'm not not just for this club, but I don't really know that there's you know been any team in my in my memory that's gone through something like this. I really don't. Now, what I <laughs> what I really meant to ask you is, you've been around a long time, Chris Davis. What the Orioles are getting out of him for what they're paying him, percentage of, of their total payroll. Uh, have you ever been around a player so much was expected or hoped for who's given so little, but that then the club is doing what we just saw, which is essentially kind of cooperatively bench him, not send him to the minors, not suspend him or whatever way to get him off the roster and have him work through it to try and get something reclaimed. Well, you know, I don't. I don't really think that's a question that can be answered, Stan. To be honest with you. Okay. I mean, first of all, you, you don't just send guys to the minor leagues in, in those situations, and, and and that's not anything that's new to to this day and age, and, and the contracts and the size of the contracts and anything else. It just all has to do with with the rules of the game. I mean, you just don't. Uh, you just can't. You just don't do those things. Uh, it, it's it's not because you don't want to on the other side. Number one, you. I mean, if 
if the orders went to Chris Davis and said, look, we want you to go to my lease for a month, I, the, 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 I know that this, this will agitate a lot of people, but the Players Association would never, ever, ever want to see that happen to somebody in there. They, and, and they would tell you, it's got nothing to do with you, it's got to do with the rest of the people. Right. So, they're not, you know, I mean, so, I, yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, so the answer to to answer the question, first of all, I mean, it's it's a historical kind of a uh, situation with with Chris, and and I don't, I mean, it, it, I'm not going to say you could see this coming, mm-hmm. but I think the idea that they started out with him leading off was was an alarm. There, there was something. There yeah. was something there that wasn't, you know, that that didn't make any sense. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't. And, you know, I think he, I mean, he had to know that. I think Buck certainly had to know that. It was a, but it was one of those things that, you know, and if if we all remember at the same time, Aaron Boone was talking about doing the same thing with, with Judge. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that didn't make any sense to me either. You don't, you don't put somebody at the top of the lineup and strike out 200 times, but. Jim, Jim, I know I asked the question, but the only thing that was remotely similar to me was also a guy named Davis is when Glenn Davis came back from his injury. Remember he had the spinal accessory nerve. The Orioles couldn't, they couldn't play him, but yet they couldn't get him back to speed unless he played. And at a certain point, I remember one night walking at Memorial Stadium, I was walking with Lucchino and I said, I think you ought to option him to the minors, see if he'll go along with it. And he said, you really think we could do that? And I said, I don't know if he has the options available. And somehow Glenn Davis did it. Now, that was from a physical injury that they convinced him that he would only get back from. And ironically, that led to the bar fight in Norfolk. Uh, we were still a Rochester farm team then. But remember, he got hit by the bouncer, broke his jaw. I don't know if you well, remember I, that. I, I don't remember because I wasn't there, but I, I will tell you this that I and and I don't remember I, I do know that he was in the minor leagues because actually I went to see Glenn Davis play. It's the first time I ever saw Jim Tomey play. Really? It was, it was was in a game in uh, in Charlotte. Okay. And uh and and Tomey was playing for the Indians Farm Club. And uh but I think he was on a re- I, I think, you know, I I don't even know what the rehab deals were in those days uh, but his thing was definitely an injury thing yeah uh, yeah it was not a you know i mean with 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 davis you know that we're, we're not talking we're not talking injury we're not talking uh thing and, and let me tell you something you know the, we, we can talk about this until the cows come home yep. exactly there's you know you, you can't have a phone conversation long enough to, to try to explain uh, something like this, and I, you know, I, I don't think anybody would debate the fact that it's, you know, sometimes it's more, you know, the the mental part of this game is a, uh, is a whole lot tougher than people realize. Sometimes, I guess. I mean, it looks uh, I, every time somebody when they retire, when they're off and they come into the press box, the first thing I say to them, you're going to find out how easy this game looks from up here. Right. That's right. And it looks a lot easier from there than it does from the field. Jimmy, let me ask you this. What would you like to see done the rest of the season with this ball club from this standpoint? We know, or at least we think we know, trades are coming with Machado, maybe with Britton or, or Brock, or they, they could move Adam Jones. 
Uh, but what would you like to see the rest of the way with this club as they try to figure out what path and direction they're going to take for next season? What, what would I like to see? What I, would you know, like I, to see? Yeah, and I know, I know you're not Buck Showalter or Dan Duquette, and really, even that's kind of questionable at this point because if you know, there's there's the old question out there that well, you know, if they're going to be making these moves, and if everybody thinks Dan Duquette's not going to be here, why would Dan be making those moves? Well, that's that's the first question. Yeah, I mean, you know, but again, you know, I don't, I don't know that any of us can answer that. I mean, you know. There's decisions. The decisions can be made about the future that perhaps have got to be made by people that aren't going to be here, which is a, you know, which is a, a question in itself that defies uh, explanation. Really, I mean, I I, I thought uh, strongly that I, I did not think that that situation would would go beyond opening day. To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, I I thought that somehow that that would have been resolved somehow, but it wasn't. It hasn't been. I think that, I think the thing at this point I don't think there's any really good answer to this because no matter what it is the the, the bottom line at the end of the year is not going to be good. I mean, you know, this team is not going to uh, suddenly play ten or fifteen games over five hundred the rest of the way. I just don't think that. You just look at the rosters. The rosters you can compare the rosters to Boston and New York and, and the teams that they're playing. And, and let, let's face it. Uh, th- there's some holes there. I mean, uh, I think the thing is, there's a lot of people say, well, you're, if, if Manny's not going to be here and Britain's not going to be here, then just take the best offer you can get and go. I, I don't buy that, um, especially in Manny's case. Uh, I, I, you know, I think if you, and I think that in a lot of ways, the value for a position player at, down the stretch of something, I guess sometimes is not as great as it is for a relief pitcher who, mm-hmm. uh, you know who who may, makes a team may be in more dire need for something like that than a position player. Who knows what could happen? I mean, it's a, it's it's a tough call, and I I would say you know make the qualifying offer. And I think the biggest the biggest question is like with a guy like Adam. I mean, I think most people would say you know they would like to see him finish his career here. But in all in all fairness to him, if he has a chance to go play someplace and and play some more in the postseason, yeah. Yep. You know, I think he deserves that. Yep. Uh, but but the, the, you know the return, you know you, you don't just give people away. I mean, and you don't say you know. I don't. I think Adam Jones deserves more than a. He deserves a prospect and not a suspect. Right. Uh, uh, the same with a lot of these other people. But suppose Adam is still here at the end of the year. Here's a better question for you: Do you give him a qualifying offer? I think I would give him a qualifying offer because of all the other intangibles, I still think he's probably a 13 or $14 million player uh, in this environment, but I think that extra three or four would be out of respect for him that he's... It would be, he, like, a, it would be like a raise for past services. Yes, exactly. exactly. That's a good way now, to put it. Yeah. We, we, know, we know we would give Britain, we would give Manny a, a qualifying offer, but what about Britain? That's, that's, that's too much money to pay for a closer for a team that may lose 100 games. But by the same token, do you just... Uh, in other words, I, I just think if you just let Britain go for whatever you can get for him, or if you, if you decide to give Adam a chance to go play somewhere for whatever you can get for him, all that is is just saving a few dollars, which is not a few dollars, so that's, it's a lot of dollars. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't really see the value in that I, from a... 
from a fan standpoint of view, I would I would rather see Adam finishes finish this year out, see what he wants to do. Yeah. The ball club might say we won't give him a qualifying offer out of respect to him. Mm-hmm. Because if they give him a qualifying offer, it's going to kill his chances of score of, of making a, a score on the, on the free agent market because the team's got to give up the draft choice. So, yep. and even though the draft choice is a couple years down the road, maybe it's still a draft choice. It's still a piece. Uh, you know, you you lose a Machado, you lose a Jones or something. You're hoping that you get something like that in return in your draft choice. You're going to wait four or five years to to, to pay the purse. So. We're talking with Jim Henneman, Baltimore Orioles uh, official scorer, actually MLB official scorer in Baltimore, and uh, writer for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. All right, you said that you were up last night watching this. Are you as surprised as I was that <laughs> Brian Snitger decided with first base open to pitch to Manny Machado? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, I'd have to say that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's... Uh... Well, and you know, the the funny part about that at bat, I mean, funny maybe for the Orioles because it worked out in their favor, is Moylan winds up throwing strike one with a fastball that Manny takes because I think Manny was thinking off speed. Off speed and, right. then, and then strike two is a fastball that Manny takes a vicious cutout and swings through. And then, and then the next pitch... There's no question Manny was looking for something off speed on 0-2 to try to get him to chase, and he left it right over the middle of the plate, and Manny crushed it. Well, you know, you know, I, of course, I always get a big kick out of that. I'm saying we left it right over the middle of the plate. You know, we forget that the plate's 17 inches wide. Yeah, well, so, yeah. You know, I, I mean, there's not a whole lot of different places you can leave it over and, and have it still be a strike. Now, in that particular case, <clears throat> the fact that it was over to play at all was probably a mistake, but, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, well, I, at, a, at a much different different level, make sure you understand that as somebody who's, who's tried to throw the ball over the plate, it's not that easy to, to say, okay, I'm going to throw it, and this is where I'm going to throw it mm-hmm. uh, all the time, and especially even at that level. I mean, you know, the guys that can do that, the Greg Maddoxes are, they're once in a lifetime kind of pitchers to me. I mean, I, I sometimes still think that uh, it's like saying, "Well, the hitter he, he went with that pitch." Well, he went with that pitch because he couldn't get the bat around fast enough to hit it anywhere else, and and that means that we hit it to the other field. So, uh, you know, I think that's an overworked expression too. So, for what it's worth. Hey, Jim, getting back to last night, are are you willing to say that? Part of Britain's problem last night, because we talked about the mental aspects of the game, could have been just how long that inning was for the Orioles and that it took it from the realm of a save to like a, a layup. And maybe he just didn't have the adrenaline necessary last night? Nah, well, you know, we could say that, but the bottom line is <laughs> he came into the game and it wasn't a safe situation, yep. but he wasn't in there very long before you knew it was going to be a lost situation. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy. I think this is if you if you go back and look at that and think back to that game, uh, everything he threw was above the knees. He did, you know, hit, hit, yep. when he's really unhittable, his pitches end up out of the strike zone. Mm-hmm. And last night they all ended up in the strike zone and and in and and, and hit you know with authority. I mean, it, it wasn't like. There was, there was a, I guess, probably one or two, or a couple of balls during the course of the evening that were flares. I mean, uh, but 
not in that inning. I mean, that you know, it seemed like that inning, everything was a line drive, and uh, I just looked at that as you know, everything, everything was up, and everybody's noticed. You know, his his velocity is is down a little bit, but he's really now just starting out, and uh, that, that there could be a lot of reasons for that. But sure. I think a lot of that is also still is the location. I mean, he's one of those few guys that throws ninety seven, ninety eight down. Mm-hmm. Most guys that throw that hard throw it up. You know, they, they throw 97, 98, 99, 100. Those guys all usually throw the ball up. So, he's a, he's, so, getting, so getting to his performance last night without asking you what you think we could get for him, you know there were a ton of scouts there that wanted to see Zach Britton. Has yeah. he, has he, did, did last night's performance, performance almost irrevocably cause his value to go down or Everybody knows it's kind of a wait and see with him because of what he's gone through with the rehab. No, it's a little bit. I mean, I certainly think it's a red flag. I mean, but no, I don't think that would change your mind any more than I think the last time he was out. He was the first time he came in. He was wild. The second yeah. time, but the bottom line is he hadn't given up anything yet. But uh, no, I don't think there's a. You know, it's way too early. I mean, he's been back what. Uh, I think he's pitched four or, games, or yeah, about yeah. eight or nine days. Uh, you know, but here's the bottom line. The bottom line is you have to look around. I mean, how long this team last, that they're playing last night, team's really playing well. And uh, obviously they could use some help on the bullpen, and, and they we're talking last night during the telecast, they could use somebody at third base. Well, they, they did a really fit when you did third baseman. Hello. And they also have the best minor league system in baseball. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, now, Manny is probably not going to want to play third base, but if he has a chance to go do something else, and somebody says, hey, we know you're only going to be here two months, we want you to play third base, my guess is he's going to say, okay, let's do that. But I, I just don't think that the value is going to be high enough in either one of these cases. I hate to say that, but I think it's true. Sure. I just don't think that they're going to get the, you know, the, that they're going to get the kind of pieces back. When you see the, the thing... The, the trade that Detroit made for Verlander last year, the, the number one guy in that trade was a pitcher named Franklin Perez, who, to my knowledge, has still not thrown a pitch for the, for the Tiger yet in their system. He hadn't the last time I looked. And he's listed as their number one prospect, as a, as a, as a Tiger's number one prospect. He hasn't even played yet. And um, he was not one of Houston's number one. He was not that high, anywhere close to being that high. On the thing, and by the way, he probably would have been the key to a trade that the Orioles turned down for Britain. Yeah. So, so and he would have been sitting in our minor league system probably right now. Yeah, and a lot of that had to do with uh, some medicals that the Orioles saw uh, as part of why that uh, kind of collapsed last year. And then it's a matter of who you want to believe. And I've heard. And I'm not so sure the medicals are on him. Yeah. I think he may. Have, I think he may have gotten hurt this spring, but. Some of the medicals might have been might have been on the Rand kid on, on BJ's nephew. Yeah, who they were trying to work. Who I think they would have rather had in. I mean, who by the way is playing third base for the Pirates on pretty much a regular basis and doing yeah. a decent job. So. We're talking with Jim Henneman, writer for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Jim, one thing you've watched these trades, uh, you know, be formulated over the years again without pressing you on what prospects we could get or not get. What about just the sheer number of teams that are in the hunt? Does that help 
increase the potential value for a Machado or a Britton or a Brock or an O'Day? It, it would, but in all honesty, I don't really know how many teams out there are going to are going to overpay, even for a talent like Manny. I mean, there there are a handful of teams. I mean, because the Dodgers lost their shortstop, there's only one. I mean, I just don't see that many teams. I mean, I'm, it can't be more than three or four teams that are going to that are going to go. I mean, you you look at. I mean, you know, you can throw out Boston and New York and Houston, right? And and uh, I, I you know National League. I mean, I guess you have to you have to include Atlanta because of the third base situation. Uh, who else is uh, the Cubs? You know, the Phillies the, the the Cubs. The Cubs are always in the picture. But 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 my question is, if you know, are you gonna are you gonna trade Manny for somebody that's that's gonna be in the same contract situation that Manny's in now in another year? Right. I mean, what's the point in in getting to that point? I mean. Uh, if the Cubs wanted to talk about Baez, I might, you know, that that might get you. But I, that's not going to happen. I yeah. just don't see. Uh, I just don't see that happening. I don't think even that they would talk about the shortstop. I mean, I, if they did, I don't. I'm not sure I would understand it, especially if you know that you're only doing it for times. I would think the Cubs may be the team, but because you know what? Because the Cubs are in like the third or fourth year now of what. They almost admitted said was a budding dynasty, mm-hmm. and they won and they won once and and uh, and now you know they may not even be favorites to get back there. So uh, I, I see them as the Cubs as an uh, uh, an oddball situation where I could see Machado and Britain going in the same deal to that team. Uh, yeah, they've well, had some injury problems now with Morrow. Um, and I don't think they're good enough to win the championship right now. I think with Britain pitching well and Machado in that lineup every day, they would go from a suspect to a real, real contender. Well, listen, we we had we had a, we had a semblance of a conversation via email or text on this, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. But here's the bottom line: is the Orioles are not going to rebuild, not going to uh, restock their minor league system. With trades for Britain and Manny, yep, that's not going to do it. And if you really want to get serious, you really want to get serious. You really want to make something happen. You know what? They're going to say, "Okay, let's see what we can get for Gosman or yep. Bundy." I think Gosman has bigger ups than the two. But you go in there and say, "Okay, now you're talking about something." Yep. And even though you're saying you're you're you've been trying to get your your pitching depth <clears throat> over the course of the years. The bottom line is, if you're really going to do anything, that's where you, where somebody might empty the closet and, and take a Gosman or a Bundy and make them their number four or five starter instead of a number one or a number two as they are here. Always interesting, Jim. Hey, Jim, one one last thing for you. It's a little bit of a curveball from outside. Craig Heist alluded uh, in our first set of the show uh, how bad Chris Tillman's performance was the other night at Aberdeen. Uh, right. This is. This has been a sad thing to watch uh, and accept what what might be here. Your thoughts on Chris? Yeah, it, it's and, and not having been up there and not, but you know, I don't really think you needed to be up there. I mean, I think the and the, and the results, uh, the, you know, the results 
or, or speak for themselves. I mean, I don't think it's... And, and yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a... But, you know, I, I just think that Chris is always like a tick away from from being at the, at the next level, no matter where it was. Uh, and, you know, at his age, I, I'm not so sure that maybe he shouldn't just step away from, you know, just, I mean, it's happened before, just step away for a, a year or so and, and whatever. I don't know whether it's physical, whether he gets stronger, whether he gets, but he's not going to survive at 88, 89, 90 miles an hour. No. I mean, there's a, there isn't any question about that. I'm I, That I feel pretty, because his breaking ball <clears throat> is not of the sharp kind of, I mean, a quick breaker. He's got that kind of, you know, that, that loopy kind of a curveball. It's got to really be picture perfect in order for it to be effective. So I, yeah, I think he needs a tick. He needs, he needs a little more velo, as they call it. So, All right, Jim, you've always got the velo. We appreciate you coming on. <laughs> right. uh, it's great to see you back uh, up and running. And we'll talk to you uh, this week at the ballpark. The velo's All just right. the, the velo's velo just the... not as much as it used to be. <laughs> you got that right. Big boy. Well, hold it. Wait a minute. I might say it may not be that far off from what it used to be, but it's uh, because it, it was never up there. But, it's uh, a ticker two. It's a tick or two from what it was. Remember, yeah. remember, Jim. Location. Forget the velo. It's all about location. Right. location and we location, and we location. we need you to be located always. Always. All right. All right. We love you, Jim. Uh, all Thank right. You. Have fun, guys. Thank you, buddy. Later. All right. <laughs> We're celebrating all things Maryland when the Baltimore Brigade take on the Albany Empire tonight at uh, Royal Farms Arena for Maryland Pride Night. Enjoy fun for the whole family including the post-game field party when you can meet the entire brigade team. Get yourself in the game tonight for as low as $14 when you visit BaltimoreBrigade.com. want to talk to you a little bit about Big Bats. That's right, Ken Island's original sports bar located 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland, on the way down. We're bat to and from the Eastern Shore. There's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. Great place to watch the O's or the Nats or the World Cup and sample the best bar grub around, sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs, all there for you at Big Bats. Tell Steve Garland that Craig Heist and Stan the Fan sent you. Get sizzling summer savings on a huge selection of new Chevys this month at Jerry Chevrolet. How hot are these savings? Well, how about up to $15,000 off kind of hot, including up to 25% off MSRP on new 2018 Chevy Cruises and Malibus. Jerry's has new Equinoxes with payments from $169 a month and new tracks from only $119 a month. Plus, every new Chevy comes with Jerry's exclusive extended service care. Visit Jerry Chevrolet on Joppa Road and online at jerrychevrolet.com I'm Jill Powell. Each day I'll bring you the latest from the floor of the Maryland General Assembly. I'll speak with the newsmakers and feature the sound that is shaping the future of Maryland. Be sure to catch the Maryland Capital Report at any time at marylandnewsnetwork.net We're celebrating all things Maryland when the Baltimore Brigade take on the Albany Empire Saturday, June 23rd at Royal Farms Arena for Maryland Pride Night. Enjoy fun for the whole family, including our post-game field party when you can meet the entire brigade team. Get yourself in the game for as low as $14 when you visit BaltimoreBrigade.com today. 
What could be better than a night out at the ballpark with the Aberdeen Ironbirds? How about five nights at the ballpark to five sold-out weekend games? With the Ironbirds' best ticket plan, you'll get to see fireworks, a national entertainment act, or a special guest appearance every game, while reaping the rewards of a season seat member like a unique giveaway and a priority access to playoff tickets and special events all for just $50 a seat. For more information, go to ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292. That's 410-297-9292. You and your family don't want to miss out on the Ironbirds' best ticket plan ever. Rory's Story Cubes is the original that started the Story Cube movement and inspired creativity and storytelling across the globe. And they come with every Chick-fil-A kids meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Chick-fil-A kids meals are all around $5, including the kids' chicken strips, kids' nuggets, and kids' grilled nuggets. Text the family right now and announce that it's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square tonight. That's at 5198 Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham. Tell them that Glenn and Kyle said hi. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand, for me, why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And we are back on the bat around Stan the Fan and Craig Heist on this Saturday morning, the 23rd of June. O's play at Atlanta today at 410. It's one of Buck Showalter's Sleep Fast specials. The game didn't end until after 1 in the morning last night. Luckily, it wasn't a 105 start. Yeah. It'll be Dylan Bundy against Julio Tehran. Mm-hmm. Uh, joining us now is somebody that not I won't say could care less about that game, but he's got other fish to fry. That's our friend Matt Slatus, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. And am I counting? Am I counting the wins and losses so far? Correct? Are you guys four and four out of the gate, Matt? We, we are four and four out of the gate. Started a little bit slow. It felt like I think they were one and three at one point. So it's, it's nice to see the boys catch up, and, and they've got their own game tonight up in Staten Island against the Yankees as well. How you know? One of the things we always talk to you about because we try and get you on our media a couple weeks before the season starts, then a couple weeks in, then we get you back on a month into this thing. Uh, how? What kind of team do you think you have? How talented uh, is the team on the field right now for the Ironbirds? You know, we're coming off an interesting year, Stan. Where last year the club tied their single game. Uh, win total. So everybody was excited that this club this year could fight for a division title. And 
Uh, they pitch well. It's been more any of the early struggles they had have not been about pitching. So I think the Orioles have a lot to look forward to. They've even hit the ball well. They, they just haven't put together pitching and hitting at the right times. But it seems like on the road this weekend, you know, they had a shutout in Staten Island last night. Uh, it's all starting to come together. So we've got a couple big bats. We've got some solid arms that returned. And, and more importantly, we've got four guys that I believe are still playing in Omaha right now. So once those guys are done with the College World Series and all signed up, I think you're going to start to see some, some pretty good baseball up in Aberdeen. Well, you did have a, a rehab start from Chris Tillman up there, and uh, I know that didn't go well, or at least uh, you know one inning of it certainly did not go well. What was yeah, what Chris, was what Chris was the general? Yeah, what was the general uh, thought process from everybody leave, uh, as 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 that rehab came to a close? I think it's always nice to see a big leaguer come up and you know get a chance to throw up in Hartford County. It, it, it's nice for the fan base, the Orioles fan base too. You know, having all the minor league affiliates so nearby um, to be able to see these guys. And you know, I had a discussion with one of the umpires after the game, and he said, you know, Chris was probably not dialed in a hundred percent. He probably wasn't throwing as hard as he could have, but it was intentional, and he was spotting his pitches where they needed to be. Uh, and he'll be fine. You know, that was uh, that was a first relief appearance. Obviously, it didn't go the way he wanted it to. I'm sure the way the Orioles wanted it to. But it was good to see him just get the ball in his hand and do what he does. We're talking with Matt Slatis, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Matt, tell us a little bit. Uh, uh, one one aspect of a minor league team doesn't often get talked about is the coaching staff. You guys, uh, with manager uh, Keith Bradshaw, Tim Raines Jr. and Mark Hendrickson all returning this year. Uh, that's that's uh, that's got to be a plus, doesn't it? For for yeah, instruction, it, it and, you know. Believe it or not, about ten days before the season, our manager actually injured his leg uh, down in Florida, so he was replaced by a young guy named Kyle Moore. Kyle's about thirty-two years old, uh, actually home in Florida this weekend having his first child. But you know, between Kyle, who's a young manager, he was the the hitting coach for the Frederick Keys in the Carolina League. Kyle's surrounded by a really good, cohesive group. So we've got Mark Hendrickson, big lefty, is our pitching coach. Mark had about a decade-long career in the NBA before he obviously played for the Orioles and pitched for a couple teams in the big leagues. You've got Tim Raines Jr., who is you know the son of Rock. Uh, there's a heck of a pedigree in that group that is supporting a young manager. You know, anytime you can put a guy in a clubhouse who's you know, not only grown up around the game, like Rock Jr. has, but the son of a Hall of Famer. He comes in there just mu very much like Ryan Ripken did last year as the son of Cal, as, as someone who elevates that bunch. So to your point, we've got this great coaching staff that I think uh, is doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're, they're developing this young talent to hopefully get them up to Camden Yards sooner rather than later. Now I ask you this because you've been around the game for a good while. Hendrickson, he always struck me as somebody so thoughtful, kind of intellectual, do you think he's got the goods to, to, to be a career pitching coach at the next level, so to speak? From all accounts and everything I hear, he really enjoys this. And I, I know that the mental aspect in particular is something he enjoys focusing on. So I, I think that if he can, and I, again, I'm not the greatest baseball mind in the world, but if Mark can keep... But you did sleep uh, at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But if Mark can keep the guy's heads in the right place, he obviously has the baseball knowledge to help them advance and get to the next level. Yeah, and you know, and, and that's the thing. When, when you look at a guy like him uh, and a guy that pitched in the major leagues, but, you know, he was a, you know, a, a guy who 
I don't know, kind of crafty, I guess, is the best word to say. And a lot, sure. of, a lot of times, guys that are like that bring a wealth of knowledge, uh, especially to young players, because so much today it's about velo and how hard you throw. And a lot of guys never understand, at least in the early times of their career, about the pitching aspect of it. And I think he might be one of the guys that could be a perfect fit uh, to be able to teach right. that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that sometimes the more time you spend on the bench or the more times you sp- time you spend in a bullpen, too, you pick up stories, you pick up insights from the other guys. You know, I grew up watching John Franco close game for the games for the Mets, and John definitely didn't throw strikes. You know, he pitched around the plate, he made guys swing, and, and that's an art form. And if you can share that with the game's next generation, I think you're going to be really successful. Let's uh, move off the field and into uh, your your sense of being crafty. Food. Food. <laughs> uh, the the club made a calculated uh, decision this year to invest back in the club to the tune, if I recall the figure, it's around $400,000 to upgrade concessions. Uh, what triggered that? And uh, obviously you haven't had the, the, the dividends paid yet, but what are the early returns on that kind of stuff? You know, when I got to Aberdeen, there were two complaints I hear from our fans every day. One was that the video board needed to be fixed, and we did that last year. The other was that we needed to fix the food and beverage at the ballpark. So we put about $400,000 into doing that this offseason, and the early returns have been positive, um, really beyond my wildest dreams. It's, uh, it's fun to walk the concourse now and see people with, uh, you know, 100% beef foot-long hot dogs that are topped with pulled pork and coleslaw, and they're on a pretzel bun. Everything's being cooked to order. Everything's being fresh. Uh, everything, when possible, we're shopping local farms. So our fans have really responded to it, and it's been neat to see. We're talking with Matt Slatis, general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. That, that is a huge investment. What did that go what did exactly did that go into? Was it was it menu creation? Was it hiring staff that's yeah, better? Or, you know, or, or it was primarily hardware. So new types of fryers, new types of ovens. Um, you know, we wanted our fans to be able to see food prepared in front of their eyes, so you can now order a, a half pound burger, an eight ounce hamburger, a huge burger, and it's it's cooked right in front of you. So. Um, lots of new carts around the concourse, around the ballpark. So there's six new options that you can choose from outside of main concessions. That, you know, there's a new salsa Mexican concept. There's a, a new sausage grill. So it's, it's all visible. And, you know, primarily it was the hardware itself and then obviously the menu development and design. Uh, but you can't walk in the ballpark and not notice that it just jumps right out at you. All right. Let me, let me see if you can guess what my next question is to you. <laughs> okay. All right, you got any idea? Uh, are you going to ask about the anglers? Are you going to ask about the steam crabs? Ah, there we go. There we there go. We go. What, what, when, when is the promotion and when can I come up? <laughs> well, we've got tomorrow, Sunday, we've got the Star Spangled Banners that will take the field. So every Sunday this year, in recognition of the state of Maryland being the home to the national anthem, the club's going to play as the Star Spangled Banners. We did that last week to, to great reviews. Um, July 27th and 28th, when Hartford County hosts the, the Bassmaster Elite Upper Chesapeake, we're going to rebrand the team as the Hartford County Anglers, so the Ironbirds will go away for that weekend series. Uh, and then finally, August 24th, we're going to bring back the Steam Crabs. And Stan, I know you were at the ballpark when we did that last year, so you, you can attest for how crabby we become that night. It's, all of our game entertainment, all yep. of our food, 
It's all about crabs. Uh, you really need to bring Craig Heist out there if you really want to get down and crabby. That's right. Uh, his attitude is often crabby. Hey, the club, I know they're home uh, starting tomorrow for three games, but you've got three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen home games in the month of July. Um, that's that's a pretty important chunk of your schedule, isn't it? It, it sure is. And again, it's July 20th and 21st. On the 20th, we're going to recognize the end of Cal Street. He's got an anniversary year here for that. Uh, and then on the 21st, actually, we're going to bring out the 83 Orioles Club. So the last team to win a World Series. Wow. Their 35th anniversary. Uh, and I think it's a great night for, for all of Baltimore to come together up in Aberdeen and, and see a bunch of those guys, see Cal, and just uh, you know, pay some respects to that 83 team because they were a lot of fun to watch. Which night is that? July 21. Saturday, okay. July 21st. Figures, that's the one night i got to be up in New York to, to see uh, ah. to see uh, my nephews play up oh, in we'll, New York. Uh, yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to look uh, more closely at the schedule next time around. Hey, Matt, uh, all during the last six, eight weeks, we've been plugging this promotion of the Aberdeen Ironbirds' best season ticket plan ever. Talk to us a little yep, bit about that. that. Yeah, so we are now down to our, our best four games of the year. It started as a five-game plan. Um, so right now it's a four-game ticket package, all Fridays with fireworks or weekends with big entertainment acts. And the best part about it is it's only $40. So $10 a game gets you a seat that at a major league park, you know, 10 or 12 rows off the field might cost you 150 bucks. This is $10 per game. Uh, and you get, again, a really four best premium games of the year. It's a great way to kind of sample Aberdeen and sample Aberdeen baseball for the first time because the price is so low. I know last year, uh, we've gotten to know each other over the past couple of years, your goal last year was to start to have some sellouts, and I know I think you had five or six last year. Um, I'm, I know how you think and how you like to build on things. Do you think you have a realistic chance to do better than that this year? Oh, for sure. You know, we were able to sell out opening night, uh, so that was Friday. Saturday was really close, uh, and I think we're going to see that again over the next couple weeks and sell out. So we've got one in the books out of our first six, uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if we had another eight or nine throughout the rest of the summer. So it's um, people are people are starting to come out to the ballpark, and they're coming out in droves. Well, it's great atmosphere, and it's a great family night, and you get to see some good baseball. And, uh, you know, if you're in there and you're looking for great entertainment at a very reasonable rate, that's the place to be. Aberdeen Ironbirds. Uh, Matt, one last question about July 21st, aside from the fact that I can't be there. Who do you have lined up that's coming in from that team? Do you know, I know some Cal names? Will be there. Um, you know, Cal will be there, and I know we've got six or seven other guys that are coming out. A couple local, a couple guys that are coming in. Until they make promises to me, I don't want to throw their names gotcha. out yet, but we'll know in a couple of weeks. All right. Listen, best of luck, and I'll see you out there in the not-too-distant future, Matt, and we'll get you back Sounds on. great. We'll get you back on uh, sometime in July with plenty of time to promote some of these things coming up. All right? Perfect, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right. All the best. There he goes, Matt Slatus of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Up next in just a minute or two is going to be the play-by-play -play voice of uh, the Seattle Mariners. And the Mariners, having a terrific season, have suddenly bumped into uh, a five-game losing, five losing streak. We remember the Orioles back in 83, speaking yeah. of last they time. Two, they, they had, had two, two seven-game seven losing right, streaks. Absolutely. Right, right. Uh, it sort of shows those are real character calls, aren't well, they? Well, they are. And this year there have been three. 
more than seven and one was a nine. So one of those three turned into a nine-game losing streak. Wow. And that will test your character. No question about it. But the uh, M's uh, did something very interesting this year, Craig, because it uh, – uh, they pivoted rather quickly. I'm I'm listening to the games, uh, and there's a lot of talk about how quick they struck to make that trade with the Tampa Bay Rays, mm-hmm. picking For up Denard Span Dan, yeah. and Alex Colome. Uh And there, uh, there was a real reason for that, that they had suddenly, because of a negative, Robinson Cano's suspension and injury, uh, they suddenly had... $11 million at their disposal to spend that wasn't going to be paid to Robinson Cano. Well, yeah, and uh, i, I got to be honest with you. That's a situation where uh, you look at, uh, you know, what Robinson Cano's production means to that team. And you remember when he went from the Yankees to the Mariners, everybody said, well, he'll never hit the kind of home runs right. in Seattle that he did at the sh- with the short porch in Yankee Stadium. But eventually – that talent and that swing basically took care of that over the course of time. Uh, a very productive player, still hitting for power, still driving in runs, and then all of a sudden he gets popped for 80 games, and uh, the Mariners very proactive in going out and getting Denard Span and Colome, like you said. So, uh, again, a rough one last night for them because that's a game they probably feel that got away and should, they should have won. Uh, but again, they get a chance to do it again. And you know, the whole time I was growing up as a kid, I, I used to watch Oriole games with, uh, uh, you know, my dad, and and we'd hear Chuck Thompson all the time, right? Talk about there is never any safe lead at Fenway Park, right? And last night was a perfect example of it. Hey, uh, joining us now is uh, one of the really great play-by-play voices in the game, and he's on the comeback trail, uh, so to speak, and that is uh, Dave Sims, longtime broadcaster, and been with you've been with the M's now for how many years, Dave? Hey, Stan, uh, 12 years. This is uh, wow. year number 12. Where'd it go? How you guys doing? We're Good. doing great, and you know Craig Heist, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, hey, and, and George Wallace told me to tell you hello. Hey, beautiful. It goes. Hey, Dave, this game will drive you crazy. Stephen Wright and Wade LeBlanc square off in Seattle uh, last weekend, which we know isn't the hitter's park that Fenway Park is. Wasn't the score one nothing or 2-1 to one last Saturday yeah, night? one nothing. It was a great game. Both of them pitched their tails off. Uh, uh, LeBlanc got into the eighth inning for the first time since 2011. Stephen Wright did a great job controlling a run game. And uh, it was a terrific game. And then they, they both come out last night just get tattooed, <laughs> and uh, and it, it was just it. Was, and you know the thing was interesting. Both teams' game plan: first, second pitch. If it's if, it, if you can reach it, hit it and kill it. Yep. And that's what they did. I mean, we put up a four spot. They put up a five. And we built a ten-five lead. And Mike Bowers and I kept saying, yeah, so we've been doing this too long. And Mike played there at Fenway for years, <laughs> and we kept saying almost every half inning. Need more runs. Need more runs. You don't have to be a soothsayer. You don't have to be Karnak. You need more runs here. Come on. I, I feel really bad for Stephen Wright. He doesn't know what hit him. I just acquired him in a fantasy trade five, six days ago. That was Wright's that kiss, was, of, that death, was kiss right of death, right? <laughs> well, the knuckleball wasn't knuckling. I no, it was not. Playing right on yeah. a tee, and you, know, you saw the two home runs Nelly hit, and they were. I mean, combined, it had to have been 1,000 feet. I mean, it was unbelievable. But you know, and, uh, you know the thing about that knuckleball that he throws? Uh, it, it reminds you uh, 
of uh, who was it? Uh, Wilbur with, Wood. No, 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 Hoyt? no, no. Uh, pitch for the Mets and uh, oh, R.A. Dickey's Dickey. Dickey. knuckleball yeah. because it's a harder, a harder. it's a harder knuckleball yeah. than most that you'll see. Yeah, but last night it wasn't. Yeah, he had the harder knuckleball. He had a little bigger MPH on it last week at our place. Yep. And last night, uh, I'm telling you, when we looked at those replays, I mean, it wasn't tumbling at all. It just came in flat with, you know, big hit me sign on it. So it's, uh, and, uh, you know, the thing that, you know, I heard you guys uh, on the lead in, I mean, uh, you know, bullpen blew a game last night, blew a 5 nothing lead in New York. I mean, geez, get, you know, we're, what are we, on four in this road trip and could easily be 2-2. Two and two. We're talking with Dave Sims, play-by-play voice of the Seattle Mariners. Dave, this season we had it in Baltimore a few years ago with Fred Manfra, who ran into some hip problems, I think, and then had a hip replacement that went wrong. What was your injury, and and how are you doing? I know you missed a good chunk of time for the first time ever. Yeah, I uh, this is my first road trip uh, since uh, getting injured in uh in Minnesota on April 6th, and it was just a pickup basketball game. The schedule was weird. We played the, I think it was a home opener for the Twins on a Thursday, had Friday off. So our traveling secretary set it up. Uh, We were across the street from the Target Center, and they have a fabulous workout facility, obviously used by the basketball team there. So, hey, come on over, let's play some hoops. And I said, nah, I'll just do my usual workout. Then I get over there, and everybody's, ah, come on, you got to play. We'll just play a little bit. Oh, played. Long story short, I took a pass, turned to my right, went after about a half hour playing, took a pass, turned to my right, went down like I got shot. Who the hell tripped me? Dude, nobody touched it. <laughs> so had the had the operation about twelve days later and uh, got out of the cast at the end of the month and uh, started back doing home series on a limited basis mid mid May. I did three innings of each game against Detroit, then the next we had a ten game homestand. I did that entire homestand and Missed the next roadie, and here I am on this one. So how how you feeling? It, the can. How you the feeling ready. at this point? And uh, you know, my my wife is sitting here. We're getting ready to have breakfast. She's a physical therapist, and she's made this trip back east. And uh, so I've had that. I've been getting therapy you know, back in Seattle twice a week, and been pretty diligent doing uh, doing what I'm told. The exercise is given to me, and and I'm last night was the first game I did uh, walked over to a ballpark without a cane. So That's I'm, great. Well, we'll get a chance to see you on Monday. We'll have to evaluate. You. We'll have to evaluate yeah. you when you come through the door. Yeah, let's let's hey, challenge hey, him to a dude, game. Let's talk, nah, let's nah, play a little say, hoops. No, nah, nah, no, no forty yard dashes and no hoops. <laughs> I said hey. The next hoop game I do will be a game I call in uh, in November. That's right. Hey, uh, all kidding aside, before we talk a little Mariners baseball, uh, precisely, we're talking about hoops. You get the. Uh, the uh, honor, I call it an honor. Craig Heiss would probably call it something different. You do a weekly show throughout the year with uh, Mike Krzyzewski, Basketball and Beyond for XM Radio. Uh, what most impresses you about Coach K? Uh, he's prepared. He's smart. He, he's, he knows a wide range of things. You know, and if, he, if, if it's a topic or subject he's not real familiar with, he does his homework. And, you know, he's one of the icons in our sports business. I mean, we do the show usually right around the time of uh, Midnight Madness, like mid-October, we take it to right after the Final Four. And, you know, we have, and we've had, well, we've had Belichick on a whole bunch of times because he keeps winning championships. We've had Nick Saban, we have LeBron, Kobe, I mean, KD. Mm. And we have had, we have had everybody. 
Uh, we had uh, the late Mrs. Barbara Bush, who was a delight to have one. That was many years ago. She was terrific. Arnie Duncan. I mean, we we run the gamut. We have CEOs and all kinds of stuff. So it, it's been a lot of fun, man. And he's a good dude. We go back. We met in 77 when he was in Army. I was at the Daily News in New York. And and then I started, you know, doing a bunch of games. And then the serious, uh, actually, it was XM first before the merger. And um, they said, hey, would you like to do you know, radio show, are you free to do it? And, and I said, basically, I said, yeah. And I basically, you guys are old enough to remember, I played George Fenneman. I basically introduced him, inter- interact with him at the top of the show and then let him do the interview and then we put a wrap on it. Right. A little interaction and we're done for an hour. I've always respected the man, but he coaches at Duke, so that's a demerit on my end. <laughs> wow, well, hey, I, you I remember get it. you you're, guys are in the Maryland area. I mean, I get it. Yeah, get it. but but you remember you remember the Xavier Duke final from a few years back. Oh, I was there, I think. Well, okay. Yeah. I never knew you could actually step on the baseline with less than two minutes to play in a tight oh, game yeah, that's right. and yeah. still keep possession of the basketball. Who was it? Uh, Thad Motto was the coach, yeah. right? At Xavier. Yeah. I remember that. Was that a that was a was that a, a regional final or a national semifinal? No, that was in uh, that was in the final. That was in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Wow, yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. remember that play. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, I think he deserved. Job. I think he deserved it, Coach K. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I, All right. I think it was uh, who was it? Romaine Soto. Yeah, was uh, the top player for uh, for uh, what do you call it for Xavier? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Dave, the other night you had witness to something. Now, I didn't see it, but I saw the afternoon game, the one which Paxton pitched uh, against Severino. You alluded to the fact, you and Mike Blowers, before the game started, you saw uh, an at-bat that Nelson Cruz had against Araldis Chapman where Chapman got, <laughs> got four straight pitches over 100 miles an hour with the fastest being 104-plus. Yeah, that's pretty sick. And, you know, if you get one more starter, they're going to really be tough to deal with. I mean, I have people tell me, ah, they can't do small ball. They're not built for small ball. They're built to hit the ball out of the yard. Yep. And yep. you got the tourist kid. You got the Duhart kid to go along with Judge and Stan. I mean, and then at the back end, Patanza seems to have found himself. Chapman's ridiculous. They got this Jonathan Holder. They got some of the few guys or new guys I hadn't even heard of. Yeah, and that's an impressive ball club. And they can throw you. they can throw David Robertson out there as well. Yeah, uh, he's terrific. I, I know, but that you know the one thing I do notice though about Patances and Chapman is the fact that if they don't have their control, and this will happen on more than one occasion, that that back end can be had. But you I as say, an off, as an offensive said and done. Right, I, I, I hear you, but I mean, you got. I talked to Kyle Seeger yesterday, and I said, "What about the chances?" I said, "The dude's six eight. He says, "Yeah, he's right on top of you when he finishes his, his, his yeah. motion." And he said, "You know, you know, you're talking a legit 100, 100 plus." And talking to Larry Rothschild and uh, Mike Harkey, Harkey's a bullpen coach, and you know, Larry's a pitching coach for the Yankees. They have fixed him in terms of he's been, he's able to uh, repeat his motion and shorten it up. And he is just ridiculous. So you got him in the eight, like you said. You got Robertson in the seventh, the Tantus and Nathan Chapman in the ninth. That's going to be tough if they yeah. stay close to you know to their games. Boy, that's going to be a tough, tough out. 
What about you guys? Uh, you playing at a very high level, and then you come east yep. playing the teams you got to beat, and you don't beat yep. them yet. Uh, where do you think your team's psyche stands right now? Well, wait till they well, get I, here. You know, they've, been, <laughs> they've been super. <laughs> they're super resilient. I give them credit. I want to see how they bounce back. Uh, this is on a five-game losing streak. They had a three-game losing streak earlier in the year, and had you know we lose Cano and. And, you know, they've thrived through it. Uh, they've been able to survive and, and get some things done. Hopefully uh, today Segura comes back from the rash or the infection he's got on his forearm. Uh, you know, it's when you look at the club, you got a couple soft toss and left-handers and um, LeBlanc and, uh, and Gonzalez. And they've survived to this point. Can they do it long-term? I don't know. I mean, if, if, I know last week at the New York Post, Joel Sherman was speculating that the the Mariners and the uh, Yankees are hot after Jay Happ. Jay Happ would be a great addition to both ball clubs. We could really use them. They've been with us before. So do, I, I think uh, Jerry Jerry Depoto told us on Does does Jerry have list would be a starter? Does Jerry have the ammo to go out and get a starter of uh, Happ's renown at this point? Uh, you know, I tell you what, our system is not as fertile as the Yankees right now. So. Uh, that would be a big that'd be a big give because perhaps in the, you know, this is the last year of his contract, so it'd be, you know, it'd be essentially a rental. So in a tough spot, Jerry's going to Jerry and his crew would have to be as creative as they've ever been. We're, we're talking with Dave Sims. We'll just keep you a couple more minutes, Dave. Um, talk, talk to us a little bit about Nelson Cruz. We know him here in Baltimore. He played one year, had a fabulous year. The club offered three. He wanted four. The Mariners gave him the four. He's got to superseded what they could have expected out of him going into year four now. Well, I'm glad that he didn't get the he didn't get the deal at your place. Yeah, and that was a mistake because he is a high quality, one of the highest quality guys I've met in the business, and I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, and for guys 37, 38 years old, I mean, he's in fabulous condition, and I think he's got. Definitely one more good year in him, and maybe even two. And hopefully, <laughs> we're going to resign him soon. This is the last year of his deal, and uh, we'd be—I tell you what—I think we'd be dead in the water if we don't if we don't re-up him for next year because I don't see anybody else out there that's available that we can afford. Um, so I, I I have the highest regard for him. I really do, and I've you know I've been doing football, baseball, basketball a lot of years, and. Uh, He's he's a top shelf guy, and man, I tell you what, prepares. He's smart. He's a leader, and he's in unbelievable shape. He can, I mean, he's a workout workout maniac, and 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 I I, I, I told him I kept raving about him for the longest time, and we did a spring training thing. My wife was with me at, at the time, and she said, "Oh my God, you're right. He's he is the best." Let me ask you this: I I, I didn't get a chance to cover the Orioles Mariners series last year because it was one of the very few times during the year where both the Nationals and the Orioles were home at the same time. Uh, right. I was going to ask you, how's our girl Shannon Dreher doing? She's doing very well. Good. She's, you know, she's a stalwart on the beat. I mean, she's she's in there. She does uh, she does a pregame show, for, well, I'd say five days a week now. Right. And uh, she does a hell of a job, and, and, and she knows her baseball. She's, she took some, took some hits. She was telling me, I don't know, guys used to give her a hard time when she started out, but I mean, she's part of the scene now. Yeah, has absolutely. That's been for a while. She is. She's one of the best around, and she's, she's working up there in Seattle for uh, the ESPN radio affiliate up there and uh, does, does just a great job. And I was just asking because I'm looking forward to getting a chance to see her this weekend. 
or this yeah, week? Yeah, it will be in. We get in Sunday night. Yeah. All right, Dave, before we let you go, got to ask you one question about the, the guy who uh, uh, was thought of as the face of that franchise the past four years or so, Robinson Cano. Uh, yeah. is, is he allowed to be at the ballpark? Uh, I, for, I forget the rules on that. What is the club's yeah. uh, feeling toward him right now? And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, he clearly is allowed on premises because I was talking to Nelly about him, and I said, have you seen Robbie? He said, yeah, he just left. He came in to work out before everybody else came in. Uh, he'll be in, you know, hopefully he's got the hand. He's got to get that healed up and He's eligible to come come back from the suspension on August 14th, and obviously everybody was disappointed at what happened. And big blow. I mean, you've taken 287 out of uh, out of your your lineup and solid second base play, and and, and you know a leader on the club. And you know, it was extraordinarily uh, disappointing. You know what happened, but you know what? <laughs> when he comes back, we'll be glad to see him. Yep. And hopefully, we'll still be relevant in the race, and he can he can help. Uh, you know, get us to the playoffs for the first time since the one. Yeah, but he's not eligible for the postseason then, correct? I know, but we'll take what we can get. We're yeah, not, well, you, know. you know, one of the <laughs> things one of the things I said to Stan was everybody talked about when you guys got him from New York that maybe the power numbers and the production wouldn't be the same without that short porch at Yankee Stadium. But maybe after a, a, a year of adjustment, he's really turned into be the, the, the exact same hey, kind of player he was. Hey, hey, he's a valuable player, I tell you. You know, <laughs> this injury notwithstanding, in a suspension he can count on for 150 to 155 games. So he's, I mean, uh, until this happened, he was a layup Hall of Famer. I'm sure a lot of guys will hold that against him now. But uh, he, he's been a great piece of this ball club. I just feel good. It has nothing to do with my fantasy team, either his injury or his suspension. He's not. I hear you. That's why. That's honest, one of the many reasons why. Honest I to that, God, but. Dave, it's the it's the kiss of death. If you're on Stan Charles's fantasy team, injury or slumps or anything like that yeah. are bound the to happen. Seven deadly sins. Yeah, I hear you. you. I hear you. Hey, real. Hey, boys. Real. I got to run here. But, I appreciate uh, it, Dave. Many thanks. Yeah. All right. I'll see you guys on Monday. All right. There you go. You Dave Take Sims, right. voice of the Seattle Mariners. In the middle of rehab. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He's and working with his wife, apparently. Yeah, I told him, I said, first thing I do when I say, I'm going to see you, I'm going to say, hop along, Cassidy. <laughs> Very good. Touche. Uh, again, I have to give credit, and we didn't really ask Dave exactly that, but uh, Jerry DePoto did a great job spending the money that they're going to save on um, on Robbie Cano being gone. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, they did. And then two valuable pieces uh, because Denard Span can still play. If Denard Span is healthy, he's great at the top of the yep. lineup. He gets on base. He still runs very well uh, and, again, plays very good outfield. And and if you're looking for, you know, back end of the bullpen help, Colome is a pretty good piece to have. Yeah. The the one area that they, you know, it's interesting putting two and two together when Jimbo says if the Orioles really want to get something for one of their players, Kevin Gosman might be the guy that they look to trade. That's a team that could probably use a Kevin Gosman. I mean, they're starting rotation now. And in that ballpark, yeah. that's the other big thing yeah. because that's a, a rather huge field. The gaps are, are, are big uh, and and certainly no, nothing like pitching at Camden Yards. For I sure. mean, when you think about what their rotation is right now, it's James Paxton, Marco Gonzalez, uh, Wade LeBlanc, Felix Hernandez, and Mike Leak. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really resonate with what the Yankees have or what the Boston Red Sox or the Astros have. Right, and, and the first and foremost thing is 
you know, barring the wild card, you have to really worry about beating out the Astros more than anything else. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it looks uh, it looks like the American League. It's hard to imagine Cleveland not winning their division, stumbling by more than eight or ten, by by at least seven to eight mm-hmm. games. Um, it looks like the Yankees and the Red Sox both have a real good shot at winning over a hundred games. Astros, we know, are going to be in the postseason. So that leaves Seattle one shot, and that's that second wild card team. And the Angels have kind of faded. Uh, I don't think Tampa or Toronto are good enough. So the Mariners might be good enough to make it into a one-game series, but that's a real crapshoot. That's a real crapshoot. And when you look at the divisions right now, uh, the AL East, the Yankees with a one-game lead over the Red Sox. So those two are just going to battle it out all the way down to the end. Cleveland has a, a comfortable lead right now over the Tigers by six games, by seven over the Twins. But out in the West, you know, Seattle needs to, you know, like I said, well, they've lost five in a row, but this is a big stretch for them on the East Coast against teams, especially when they get the Baltimore on paper. Uh, that's a, a team that uh, really you would expect the Seattle Mariners to take care of. Uh, but they're three and a half games behind the Houston Astros, and uh, they're five in front of the Angels. So, you know, again, Seattle... They're in a, they're, they're in a good position to make the playoffs right, right they now. Are. They, 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 they do, to some degree, control their own destiny, keep playing well, and when you get into September, you're playing meaningful games. And I'm just trying to think. I don't think I have a single Mariner on my fantasy baseball team. Well, that enhances their chances. <laughs> uh, but then all, all of a sudden... You look at the National League East, you had the Phillies with their win 12-2 over the Nationals last night. They leapfrog uh, the Nats into second place, so they're two and a half behind the Braves. Washington is three back, so at least for the immediate future, it's going to be a three-team race there. You know, about two weeks ago, Craig, I think it was on a Sunday afternoon, so I think tomorrow will be two weeks, was the game where they got swept by the Giants, the Phillies, Mm -hmm. out in San Francisco. And one, Jake Arrieta, kind of stood up to to the writers and said, this isn't going to cut it. And he talked about a lot, not just himself, he talked about how we're just not cutting it and we better get it together. And since then, they have, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. I think they lost 2 out of 3 to the Cubs right after that. But they're basically like 8-5 and five since Jake Arrieta went off on his team. Right, and last night we're in the clubhouse and – uh, I saw Jake, went over, shook his hands, uh, and we were talking a little bit, and he says, well, the Orioles lost tonight, right? I said, well, mm-hmm. I said they scored four. Uh, I'm sorry, they scored six uh, to take a 7-3 a, a to three lead. Uh, I said, so that's still in the ninth inning, and then he yells across the clubhouse, go O's! <laughs> we're like a but, joke to but, Jake. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway uh, but, you know, it brings to question – one of the reasons you sign people is what they can do on the field. The other reason you assign people like Nelson Cruz or Jake Arrieta as free agents is what they do in that clubhouse. And that's one of the reasons why the Mariners, I think, really wanted Denard Spann. Yeah. Denard Spann is exactly that same type of person. Did he ever play for DePoto? Spann? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think he did. He was wasn't with the Angels. Ben Ben Revere was was with the Angels for a little bit. Yeah, but uh, they both played for the Twins, Span and Revere. 
All right, uh, we are talking uh, all things baseball. We've still got an interview coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, we're going to kick around another topic or two for a few minutes, but we've got Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, Craig Heist was able to do a sit-down with him. We talked about it at the outset. Tell us a little bit about what we've got in store, kind of the general topics he hits well, on. Well, Ryan's going to talk a little bit about, number one, his injury, his oblique injury, which has kept him out now. Uh, a little more than a month, and uh, it's it's been a frustrating time for him to try to get back. And I think during part of that rehab, he kind of uh, tweaked the calf muscle as well. So we'll see how he's doing there. He talks a little bit about Juan Soto. He talks uh, a little bit and very insightfully about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, who we saw play in the series down in D.C. this week in the Battle of the Beltways. Uh, in a little bit about what we can expect maybe from both those guys in their walk years uh, and what kind of contracts they may get uh, from other teams uh, looking for their services. And also he'll talk a little bit, give us some insight on 19-year-old Juan Soto, who's kind of saved the Nats here uh, with his bat uh, after just tearing up uh, three different levels of the minor leagues before the Nationals brought him up. He'll talk to us a little bit about Max Scherzer as well and what he, uh, when we talk about contracts, seven years, $210 million, and it's been three years now, uh, and Max has gotten two Cy Young Awards out of it. So he's been every bit uh, worth the pennies that the Nationals threw out, and of course, dollars as well. So he'll talk about that as well. Uh, and, and basically, you know, what this team is. Uh, as far as the injuries and how they've been able to keep their heads afloat. All right, that's coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, the Orioles uh, were victorious last night. In case you were sleeping under a rock or something, they won uh, seven, uh, ten to seven in fifteen long innings. They won on a two-run homer by Manny Machado in the top of the fifteenth off of Peter Moylan. Uh, the insurance run was driven in by Jonathan Scope, who's showing a little bit of life himself lately. Yeah, he's hitting the ball a lot harder, and, and he's taking better swings at pitches in the strike zone. He's making harder contact, not the soft stuff that we've been seeing of late. Yeah, a uh, little bit of good news there. Trumbo's been hitting the ball better. Uh, Machado's coming off a little bit of a slump, but Adam Jones has been hitting the ball well. And if Chris Davis can come turn things around – uh, the results on night one were somewhat positive. We want to remind you that the Orioles are playing at 410 today. It's Bundy versus Tehran. Tomorrow, David has pitches against David uh, Mike Fultonevich. 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 There you go. Uh, tomorrow. Then the Orioles come home for four games against the Seattle Mariners. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, all three at 705. And then Thursday afternoon at 305 before hosting the Angels for a 7.05, a 4.05, and a 1.35 start uh, a week from tomorrow. Nats uh, on the road again, or I'm sorry, at home again, against the Phillies today at 4.05, and that'll uh, have Aaron Nola, who's 8-2, and two, on the season at ERA 2.5 against Eric Fetty, uh, who's uh, getting another start, 5.63 ERA, 0-2, uh, but uh, Ryan Zimmerman is going to talk a little bit about him as well. All right. He's one of the guys who have come up from the minor leagues and uh, kind of chipped in a little bit. Well, I just thought I'd go over a little bit more of the Orioles' schedule. They then go to Philadelphia for two games. Will you be at either of those games no, in Philadelphia? No, I'll be here because the Orioles are home. No, the Nats, you mean. 
Uh, uh, yeah, but the Orioles are home, so I'll be there. No. I'm... The Nats will be in Philadelphia. No, I'm talking about the week after the Angels. Oh, 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 oh. The, the Orioles go up to Philadelphia yeah, yeah, for no, two Yeah, no, I won't be there okay. because the Nats are back home. Then the Orioles go to Minnesota for four, and then they have the Yankees in for three. The Phillies is a makeup game on a Thursday at 6.05. Then the Rangers in for three games before the All-Star break. Uh, before we go to break, how 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 is the town starting to come a buzz about having hosting the All-Star game. It's the first All-Star game Washington will have since, since what, about 62? No, no, 69 at 69? RFK Stadium, if you remember that game. That was, wait a minute, they were moving at the end of the year and they had the All-Star no, game. No, no, they moved after, uh, they, they had the All-Star game in 69. They moved, uh, first year in Arlington was 71. Okay, so they had the game locked right. up in 69. Right. right, they had the game at 69. You know, remember, the game itself was postponed because of rain. Right. They played it the next day. You know, it's funny. That that would never happen. No team that would get the All-Star game would be moving in the next two years. <laughs> That's, That's true. what I was alluding yeah, to. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, you think about that team – uh, with with Frank Howard obviously being down there, but Frank and Brooks and Boog all there. Boog was the MVP in, in the seven. In, well, in yeah, in in sixty nine. Right, right. So, or was it seventy? I don't remember. I, I think it was seventy. But Boog always says uh, uh, the year that he won it, he thought maybe Killebrew should have won it. Right. So, but anyway. All right. Uh, again, uh, it's it's going to be fun. There is a buzz down there about it coming there. Uh, I know parking is going to be an absolute pain in the rear. So what would your advice be if somebody had tickets to any of the events, the home run hitting oh, contest? Take, take Metro, take get Metro. off of the Navy Yard Metro Station, just walk up to the ballpark. Okay. That's right. the easiest way to do it. Now, so if you were driving from your, Baltimore, your, your where issue, would you park? At Wheaton? Well, no, Greenbelt and just uh, Greenbelt. go right in. Yeah. Greenbelt. Uh, my, my way of looking at it is your, your problem is going to be late at night. Right and, and and like for the game itself, and they won't make an exception that night and have the the trains may, running to one in the morning. They may work out something, but I'm always amazed at that. I know, I know, and it's it's just DC's metro system in general. Yeah, it's uh, for lack of a better term, just a piece of garbage, and and that's what it is. How do you really feel about well, it? It is. That's why it's I never take it. Right, it's a piece of it's garbage. A garbage, yes. Yeah. Right. Anyway, from a safety standpoint, is all there right. you know, has been more than well documented down through the years. Right. And the fact that you run into these issues with the Caps and the Wizards if there's playoff games that terrible. start at 8 o'clock and fans can't get home. Right. Remember the, the thing that happened at Camden Yards either year one or year two when the, they played like a game that had three or four extra innings. I mean, three or four rain delays. Mm -hmm. And it went into extra innings. People got on a train for Washington, headed to Washington, at like 2 o'clock, 2.20 in the morning or something. The train went about 45 minutes, and the, the conductor and engineer got word that they were over their federal limit of hours. Uh -huh. They pulled the train over, didn't bother to announce to, to, to the, the 80 people on the train that, hey, this train is stopping. They stopped it in the middle of nowhere and got off the train. Right. And, you know, for you remember that? I, I don't remember that, but something very similar happened the other night. We had the rain delay with the Orioles down there. Right. And it's two hours and 43 Three minutes. minutes right. They start play at, I guess it was 9.50. And then by the time 10.15 rolls around or what have you, 
you know, you're getting into the middle innings then because it, we they stop play after four innings. So about the middle of the seventh inning, they sh- shoot the message up on the board. It says, last train for Greenbelt leaves in <laughs> ten minutes. Ten minutes. Jeez, <laughs> oh, with. That is pretty startling. It's bizarre. Pretty startling. All right. We're going to take a timeout right now. And in that timeout, Craig, we're going to tell our fans about Big Bats. Right? Right. That's uh, Ken Island's original sports bar. Right. Who's? I'm going to do a Q&A. Who's the owner of Big Bats? Steve Garland. Right. Right. Who uh, has, uh, at the bar, baseball right. bases, if right. you will, like you'd see at the, right. on, on the or field. Or your seats. Or your seats, yeah. Right. But there's bats. In are the legs? Are the of legs the, of the of the? the they're, they're brilliantly yeah. constructed. They right. really are. Plus, the best part. I about, couldn't have said it better. The myself. best part about that whole place are the theme rooms. Yeah, the theme rooms uh, for the Orioles and certain pieces of history that have happened throughout the game. Uh, pictures all over the place. What would you have as a theme room if he did a room dedicated to the Metro? DC Metro. What oh, would be in that theme room? A dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> There's Craig Ice. He puts it succinctly. Well, it's what it is. Anyway, seriously, located 216 St. Clair Place. If you're heading down to the Eastern Shore, it's the first exit after the Bay Bridge, Stevensville. Come up to the stop sign, make a left, and a quarter mile down the road. Uh, it's a great place to watch a Nats game, an O's game, any of the World Cup going on. If it's the right season, you can watch the Wizards, the Terps, the the Capitals, uh, and you can sample some of the best bar food around, sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs, all there for you at Big Bats. I'll wear my T-shirt next week. I have a Big Bats T-shirt. So do I. Yeah, okay. I'll wear mine, too. Go. Okay, let's all do right. that. All right. We'll be right back with more. I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. What are they all about? Well, this is very cool. You can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool. So let's just say you're like us. Maybe you're playing a World Cup pool right now. You want to keep that fun going with your friends after the World Cup is over. Maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together and that fun continues throughout the course of the year. Start a league today. Invite your friends. Single event leagues are free. Multi-event leagues are just a flat four. $4.99 fee for the entire league, not per person, just $4.99. There's plenty of competitions that Loop League has. I mentioned the World Cup, football picks, it continues, MLB playoffs, they'll be doing stuff like that. I mean, they even do UFC fights, but if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. Rory's Story Cubes is the original that started the Story Cube movement and inspired creativity and storytelling across the globe. And they come with every Chick-fil-A kids meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Chick-fil-A kids meals are all around $5, including the kids' chicken strips, kids' nuggets, and kids' grilled nuggets. Text the family right now and announce that it's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square tonight. That's at 5198 Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham. Tell them that Glenn and Kyle said hi. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to the friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray at PressBoxOnline.com. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no. football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Get sizzling summer savings on a huge selection of new Mitsubishis this month at Jerry's. Are you shopping SUVs? Then you owe it to yourself to check out a Mitsubishi Outlander or the new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's, both with 0% financing available, plus no payments until September. Or drive off in a new Mitsubishi Mirage from Jerry's for as low as $9,100. Plus, every new Mitsubishi comes with Jerry's exclusive extended service care. Visit Jerry's Mitsubishi today on Joppa Road and online at JerrysMitsubishi.com. Special financing with approved credit. Sale ends 6-30-18. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Craig Heist along with Stan the Fan and our special guest is Ryan Zimmerman of the Washington Nationals. And Ryan, I know this has been a very difficult time for you with the oblique and everything. Number one, did you expect it to take this long? Well, you never know how long it's going to take. I think, uh, you know, the important thing is you get it right and you try and come back too early, you're going to have to have to start all over again so um, you know like you said it's frustrating but it's got to stay positive and, and be you know as ready as I can when I come back and just kind of know that there'll be there'll be plenty of season left when I come back and uh, just stay positive. Is there a timetable? I mean, we keep hearing it's close. We keep hearing you're getting a little closer. Is there a timetable? Maybe the All Star break, or uh, I mean, you know, you don't really put timetables on anything. I think if we knew when when I would be back, we would say it. So it's hard to hard to say. But uh, yeah, things have been getting better. Everything is is trending in the right direction, and uh, no setbacks or anything like that. So that's always a good thing. But. Uh, you know, it's frustrating, and, you know, nobody wants to be out there playing more than, than we do. But, uh, you know, sometimes things happen, and nothing you can do about it. Since you've been out, I think this offense has tried to find consistency as far as scoring runs and continuing. But but you guys are in a good position. Three games out behind Atlanta as we talk. But that consistency with the offense, it's just not been there. Guys not just firing on all cylinders. What do you see? 
Well, we've had an inconsistent lineup all year. So once we get our consistent lineup back, I think we'll have we'll have a consistent offense. I think now injuries play a large part of that. Yeah, I think uh, you know I think where we're at with the amount of games missed by guys that were supposed to be key key contributors is uh, you know I think we've done a really good job, and that that speaks to you know obviously Mike for for drafting all these guys, but uh, I think our minor league system for the way that they develop these guys so. When it is their time to, to come up here, whether it's, you know, someone who's been in our system for a long time and has been in the minor leagues for a while and or a 19-year-old that started in low A ball that, you know, over the past five or ten years, you know, there's not been too many guys that have come up here. And, you know, there's one thing to be able to come up here and say they can make it physically or not, but, um, you know, mentally and, and being able to handle themselves I can't remember one guy that came up here and, and didn't know how to do that. So I think that kind of goes to our minor league development guys, the coaches, and the people that don't get any credit for it. But when we've had injuries like we've had a lot of this year, we continually pluck from our system. And it seems like every single time, every year, there's one or two guys that that come up here and, and kind of go above and beyond what anyone expected of them. You mentioned that 19-year-old. We're referring, of course, to Juan Soto. You saw Bryce Harper come up here as a 19-year-old. Is there any similarities you can draw from watching the two of those guys at that age? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's not many guys that come up here under the age of 20. Um, If you're able to do that and have success, I think obviously what jumps out at you is the the physical or the maturity, the mentally and the poise and, you know, all those adjectives that you use to describe people who can handle pressure situations at a young age. Uh, They wouldn't be here if they couldn't do that. So I think they're very similar, you know, in those ways. Um, They're different players. Mm -hmm. They're, I don't want to say completely different players, but they're very different in, you know, the way they approach the game, the way they play the game. So it's hard to compare them that way. but yeah, I think you know, obviously being 19, and I think people need to uh, you know realize it's 100 at bats, and you know he's he'll be fine. But I, I would I hate when people come out and put unneeded pressure on kids, start comparing them to people, and saying you know he's never going to slump, and he's got such a great two strike approach, no one's ever going to get him out, he's going to hit 330 every year. And, uh, all capable things that he could do, yeah. but not fair to him to put that to put all that on him after after 100 at bats. But uh, you know, with the injuries we've had, and like you said, the inconsistency that we've had offensively, you know, he's uh, he's saved us for a bit here. Uh, he's kind of been the main catalyst for our offense, and you know, honestly, it's been fun to watch. I know you said you don't like to put pressure on a kid like that, but. The one thing that you do notice watching him is the fact that he does have such a great understanding of the strike zone. Yeah, and, um, you know, you can't really teach that. That's, uh, you know, you can work on it. You can try to obviously do stuff to enhance your, your strike zone judgment. But uh, honestly, a lot of people are just, <laughs> you either got it or you don't. And, uh, you know, watching his at-bats, watching his approach, um like you said, he knows the zone, but not really swinging at balls out of the zone. It's uh, you know, it's been it's been very impressive to watch. The comparison I think that you can make between this team and the one last year was the fact that last year you guys dealt with a boatload of injuries, and yet 
You, you had guys like Defoe, and you know when Mikey went down, and, and when Eaton went down, there were guys to step in and, and pick it all up. Goodwin in the outfield. Uh, you see a lot of that though too with this team. Well, and that's what it takes. I think uh, you know if you're going to be a good team, if you're going to win a division, if you're going to challenge for a playoff spot. With the way that the game is nowadays, very rarely does a team go wire to wire with with the same 25-man roster. You're going to have pitchers that get banged up, uh, position players, especially especially when you have a, uh, I say, an older team like us. Uh, you know, guys don't play 160 games anymore. It's just uh, it's different than it was 10 years ago. So we always talk about, you know, it's a 40-man roster, and obviously 25 of them are here. But uh, if you want to do what you want to do and ultimately win win the World Series and, and do all that throughout the year, you're going to have to use a good amount of people. And, uh, you know, our organization does a great job of kind of having that depth. And when people get called on and it's their turn to contribute, they, they always have. From a pitching standpoint, I think one of the other things is kept this team afloat obviously as it always has is the starting pitching when you can throw four guys out there like you do leading with Max and Strauss and you still have to get Strauss back healthy uh, so that will be a plus when that happens but Jeremy Hellickson has fit into this rotation you know what Tanner's capable of Geo uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez has come up here and shown that he's got a great live young arm all these things bode well for the future yeah, and that's another, I mean, you hear about, you know, forever this was supposed to be our last year, and then for some reason after this year everything was going to crumble. Uh, it's not really looking like that anymore. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> we got two young outfielders that look like they could be pretty pretty good players in this league. Uh, Eric Fetty seems to have really kind of come into his own, sort of a couple years now from that Tommy John Um you know, last year he kind of went bullpen starter back and forth a little bit. Uh, the few times that he's pitched up here this year, it's the best I've, I've seen him. And I was talking with him a little bit and how he just feels more comfortable. And you can tell on the mound he's got a plan. He's, I mean, he's talking about 95, 96 mile per hour fastball with, you know, some good some good secondary pitches. So, um, but yeah, I think the pitching, like you said, Strass is banged up a little bit, but. Just like the position players, very rarely do your same five guys start all year. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see how a lot of these young guys pan out. And, um, you know, the future is still still very bright here. I think we uh, our window is, uh, is still wide open. Still wide open. Uh, you guys finished up the series with the Orioles on Thursday night, and you wind up taking two out of three, but you win five of six against them. And I know they're having a down year. But this series has always been pretty competitive between these two teams, and it makes it even more fun for the fans, I think, when both teams are playing well. That's not in the case now, but nonetheless, I mean, it's it's still not a rivalry, if you will, but, I mean, I think the fans still kind of get into it. Yeah, it's, it's been a cool thing to be a part of and kind of growing up in this area. Uh, you know, the Orioles were the closest team to me when I was growing up. Obviously, the Nationals didn't exist then. Um, but to see kind of our fan base grow over the last 15 years, I guess, 13, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Can you believe it's been that long? Yeah, it does go pretty quick. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when the Orioles used to come here, Nats fans used to go back to their roots, and a lot of them would wear their Orioles stuff, and, um, which I can't, you know, can't blame them for doing that. You know, it's a team a lot of these people grew up grew up rooting for. 
Uh, but we're to the point now where, you know, we have kids that have grown up rooting for the Nationals. I mean, I uh, I ran into a kid the other day in so Starbucks or something in Great Falls. I say, kid, he uh, he just finished up with medical school, or he's going off to medical school, and he came up, and we were talking for 10, 10 minutes or so, and... And, you know, we were leaving. And he goes, man, I just, you know, thanks. I just wanted to thank you. You know, you've been my favorite player since I was nine years old. And this kid's going off to to med school. And I'm like, holy cow, man. That's, you know, he's 20, yeah. 22 years old. So it, it, it's crazy, like you said, how fast it's gone. And to think, you know, basically, you know, you really don't start rooting for a team or knowing a team until you're, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. That kid's been a national Nationals fan his whole life. So... It's been fun to kind of see our city now adopt and have a team that, you know, the Orioles have been all this time, but now we have our own kind of following. So in that case, the rivalry and, like, when we get together with the Orioles, it's uh, it's been fun for me to watch kind of our fan base, you know, evolve. In terms of uh, heading forward now, uh, getting healthy and getting back on the field, we saw last year what happens when Ryan Zimmerman is a healthy person and he gets the at-bats and you know the numbers are going to be what we like to call Ryan Zimmerman type numbers uh does what you've gone through with the injuries this year and then maybe the three years before last season does that give you anything floating in the back of your mind about you know how long you want to play this game no, I was saying, we were just talking about that the other day. I mean, my body feels really as good as it's felt in a long time. I feel like starting not just last year, but kind of the year before that, started to make some adjustments as far as workout routines, uh, uh, eating better, taking care of my body more, because realizing if you don't do that, uh, the game's going to kind of chew you up and spit you out pretty quick. So I feel, honestly, I feel great where I'm at right now. I feel like I have a really good handle on, you know, how to keep myself healthy for the long term. Um, you know, the oblique and things like that, is, unfortunately, are just things that are going to pop up. And last year, we, we did a really good job of not having any of that happen. And, um, you know, honestly, I feel like if I can stay in shape and keep doing the things that I, that I do, I can... I can play for another four or five years. It's going to be a matter of me staying on the field. Uh, you know, like you said, when I'm on the field and I can get my bats, offensively I feel like I can produce, and uh, I really am starting to feel comfortable at first base to the point where uh, moving forward I think I can be, you know, an above-average first baseman where, you know, in times past, especially at the end and third, and when I first moved over to the first, I didn't. I don't want to say I felt like a liability, but... Uh, I feel like I can contribute a lot now defensively as well as offensively. So I'm excited to uh, to come back and, you know, like I had to do last year, kind of prove to people that I can stay healthy and when I am healthy uh, I can still be productive. But, um, yeah, for me, I just I feel like I still have a lot of good years left. I know the shoulder was the reason for the move and everything but uh, from, from third to first, but do you ever stop to think, you know, what it would have been like to be healthy all the time and be a third baseman? We may never have found Anthony Rendon in that yeah, case. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, my career path would be would be a lot different. But like you said, Anthony probably wouldn't be here. And, yeah. um, so I kind of, in the reasoning of what everyone always says, you know, everything happens for a reason. And uh, the one thing I can say is I wouldn't change a thing about my career there's been obviously some really good times and just like anyone who's lucky enough to play as long as I have there's been there's been some bad times as well but uh 
I think it's all happened for a reason, and hopefully, uh, ultimately, we'll win a World Series. And I think that's uh, that's the ultimate plan. A couple of quick things before we let you go, and that's two guys that we saw this week: Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. Contracts are up after this year. You hear that four hundred million dollar tag thrown around all the time in the media and through the through the pundits and and where they might be landing and things of that nature. But in this day and age, and what we've seen, especially the last couple of years in free agency, where the big home run hitters, that kind of guy, the, the real run producers, they, they just haven't gotten those kind of contracts that everybody kind of thought they would. What's your take on that? Well, there's plenty of money. Well, yeah. It's not, it's not that there's not enough money. It's just whether they want to give, you know, how much of their money they want to give out and commit to how many years and that kind of right. thing I would assume and, um, you know those are these are two guys that you know the big thing now is is, is age um, you know you used to see pitchers at 30 31 years old getting six seven eight year deals and um, position players at 32 getting five six year deals and, and you know those those are things of the past and uh, honestly, I can't say I, bl- I blame them for that. That's just <laughs> smart business. I mean, you know, uh, but I think what makes these guys different is, is obviously their age. Uh, you know, Bryce, I think, will be 26. Uh, Manny, if he's not right there, isn't far behind. I don't exactly know Manny's age, but uh, Manny can obviously play a premier premier defensive position as well. And you look at what he does in the field, he's one of – if not one of the most, you know the the best defender out there, uh, so you know you have two guys that are going to be really young, tons of experience, proven track records. Those guys usually get paid because they just don't exist. You know, most teams have usually locked those guys up through these years. They just don't make it to free agency that much. So to have two of those guys out there that can instantly make a team. You know, if you're in the mix for playoffs, you go to now maybe World Series consideration, or if you're a team that's kind of been a 500 team, you know, you sign a guy like that, and it takes you right into the thick of the thick of the discussion for for winning divisions and things like that. So, I mean, they're two very special players. They've uh, they've gone through the system. They put the time in, uh, and then now this is what they deserve. This is what our system does, and um, you know, I hope both of them get as much money as they can possibly get but more importantly I think I hope both of them end up where they want to be because they've earned the right now to control you know their career and it's uh you know it's a privilege to do that and I hope I hope people don't get caught up in the money and the economics and really like and and just appreciate what they've done and and who they are at, at what age they're at. Let me ask you this about one guy you play with and then I'll let you go and that's Max Scherzer. When he signed the seven-year, $210, $215 million contract, whatever it was, we've seen since he's been here, he has been worth every single penny of that contract uh, that he signed. Honestly, he's probably outperformed it already. Yeah. If you look at all those cool stats that they love to use and assign money value to war, uh, I'm not huge on that stuff, but in three years yeah he's probably earned his seven years already but they don't ever tell you about that uh a couple of Cy Youngs I mean what the heck (laughs) but yeah I mean uh just the preparation the work ethic uh the talent is is undeniable obviously um 
But when you combine that with what he does in between each start, you know, how he game plans for each and every start, how he attacks his weaknesses and is willing to change things and tweak things and constantly try and get better. Um, you know, honestly, it's just been a pleasure to watch every fifth day. And, uh, you know, when I'm done playing, I'll get to say that, you know, I played played behind, played with one of, uh, who knows, if he keeps going like this for another few years, <laughs> one of the best, if not, if not the best, certainly of our generation. Uh, but you're talking about... If he does this for a few more years, you're talking about all-time stuff, which, uh, you know, honestly is just just pretty cool to think about. And that means Hall of Fame in the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he's not already in, yeah. uh, if he's not already in, but that's the great thing about him. He, I know for a fact he wouldn't think about that stuff. Uh, you know, that's kind of one of the things that makes him who he is. Uh, so it's been a pleasure to, to play with him. Ryan Zimmerman, thanks for the time. As always, get healthy, get back, have a great second half, and get this team to another NL East title. That's the plan. Thanks, I see. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with the 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Orioles podcast around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts we're celebrating all things maryland when the baltimore brigade take on the albany empire saturday june 23rd at royal farms arena for maryland pride night enjoy fun for the whole family including our post-game field party when you can meet the entire brigade team. Get yourself in the game for as low as $14 when you visit BaltimoreBrigade.com today. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to the friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and I might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. That, Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron and Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com We are back here and I've got to get a word in about the Aberdeen Ironbirds. What could be better than a night out at the ballpark Craig Heist? Well it's five nights out with the Aberdeen Ironbirds which already is now down to four nights because included was opening night. Right. How about four nights at the ballpark to four sold-out weekend games? To learn more about the Ironbirds' best ticket plan ever, go to ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292. It's great to go out this year and sample the new concessions out there and, at the yard. And eventually they're going to have all-you-can-eat crab night. It's going to be great. What night are we? Is that the night I we're going? I have no idea, but, I, well, you, you're probably out of town or something. So. Unbelievable. <laughs> that, I would love to go to that 83 uh, celebration. Hey, you and I were just talking about uh, Ray Lewis mm-hmm. uh, and about the signature, couple signature moments in his career. Of course, the play where he hauls in Eddie George in a playoff game and steals the ball from Eddie George is one play, but you and I both agree that maybe the defining moment of his career is the play in Super Bowl thirty-five early in the game. Well, certainly a defining moment in his career for the amount for the amount of time he had been in the league to that point. I mean, you know, the Giants try to run an end around with Tiki Barber, and Ray Lewis just chases him from one side of the field to the other side of the field, and after that play. Uh, you could basically see the air yeah, just air taken right, the, right. And and if you ever watch the NFL films, uh, where, where the coaches are mic'd up on the side, right. Billick Billick immediately says, "Oh, they don't know what they're in for today." Right. You know, yeah. and it's true. And then th- didn't uh, didn't they go on the other side? And one of the coaches for the Giants goes to the offensive line. We got to play faster. Yeah. Well, you weren't going to play faster and outrun uh, Ray Lewis at that point. Not at that point in his career. Yeah. The play in San Diego on the fourth and one. I remember that. That is a very standout, stellar moment in his career. And uh, certainly, how about the time that certainly Eddie George play is is you know because that's that's leading them to their first Super Bowl. Right. And how about the play in San Diego where he ran down the running back or the receiver? From about 15 yards away, he ran him down, mm-hmm. got him down at the one or something yeah. like that. It was a big play. Hey, great job on the Ryan Zimmerman interview. Well, we kid around a lot. That was really some good stuff. Well, he's, he's just very insightful, and he's one of those guys where if you sit down and you're just talking to him one-on-one, uh, he has great insights on the game, on his profession, on his career, uh, and on the people that play the game with him. 
when he talked about the kid that's oh, been yeah. a Nats fan <laughs> since the age of nine, who's now a med student, and thanked him for everything he did when he had hit him. How long he goes? That that kid's been around since nine years old. That's right. And you know, Zim's first uh, appearance in the big leagues was 05 right. in September that year, where he was called up. Uh, playing, and you know what? He wore twenty five uh, originally, right? Before he went to number eleven, right? Uh, and and you know the, the whole thing. Had it not been, it's interesting, as I said during the interview. It's interesting because the move to first base was necessitated by, by the shoulder shoulder injury, shoulder and and he couldn't throw anymore. And as a result, I told him, I said, you know, but you found a home at first base. But had it not been for that. For as good as you were, a shortstop in college and a third baseman uh, playing at the highest level in the major yeah, he leagues. he was a gold glove caliber third Exactly. Baseman. You would, we would have never found out about Anthony Rendon. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Wasn't Rendon originally a second baseman? Uh, well, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and he's, just, he's just been great at third base since they put him there. Just before we sign off, Manny Machado is 25 years old. He will be 26 on July the 6th. Okay, well, they're they're the same age then, And basically. Harper is 25 and will be 26 October 16th. Yeah. Uh, they were both born in 1992. One other age of interest is Max Scherzer is 33 years of age right now. He will be 34 on July 27th. While I was looking those ages up, I see that Clayton Kershaw – turned 30 years old March 19th this year, but he's still 30. He's still 30, but you're talking about a guy who is making a start every fifth day, stays healthy. Oh, yeah. Clayton and Kershaw has not been able to do that. not been able to do that. Yeah. It's why I think ultimately there's all this conjecture about Kershaw opting out. I think Kershaw is going to say, you know what? I don't know that I get more than thirty. Right, maybe million. he knows where his bet bread is buttered and, best. And maybe <laughs> what he tries to do is get them to extend him one year at thirty-three. You right. know, to to use that as a plus to get him extended. I don't think he's worth that much money anymore. I don't know. All right, uh, Brittany Everett, excellent job, and uh, we will hopefully uh, be back same time, same locale next Sunday. Don't forget tomorrow, next Saturday, next Saturday. I was getting ready to plug Sunday. Glenn Clark fills in for Ken Zalis tomorrow. I think the NFL chick is here, but uh, Glenn Clark will be here tomorrow with uh, Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Sarita Hubbard. And that's all right. always fun. All right. I got to get right. down the parkway. All right. See you soon. Thank you, Brittany, and have a great weekend ahead, everybody.